powered by Transistor FM. Welcome to Friends, Foes, and Neither. Do not adjust your podcatcher settings, as what you are about to hear is real. It's the Derek Duvall Show. Prepare yourself for insightful interviews with incredible people. Join us now as we delve ever deeper into the human condition. And now, coming to you live to tape from the Derek Duvall Production Bunker, it's Derek Duvall! Hello, Duvall Nation. Hello. Hey, everybody. Hi. Thank you so much. Please, everyone, sit. Thank you. Hello, Duvall Nation, and welcome to the Derek Duvall Show. We are back with another fantastic journey into the lives of extraordinary people. This episode is brought to you today by the fine folks at BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and it's 100% online. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Derek Duvall Show. That's better, H-E-L-P dot com slash Derek Duvall Show. So before we jump into this episode, I want to say a huge thank you to my last guest, Andrew Biggio. What an incredible man, and the reaction to this episode was immense. If you have not heard our in-depth interview, I strongly advise you to check it out after the conclusion of this episode. So welcome to episode 193, and we have a great episode lined up for you today. We have on the show Jonathan Sposato. Jonathan is a legend in the technology community as the co-founder and the chairman of GeekWire and the CEO of PicMonkey. He has moved into the entertainment industry and has launched the Joy Sauce Network, which caters to the American Asian community. We discuss how he co-founded GeekWire and launched PicMonkey, how the Joy Sauce Network was conceived and the many successes he has had with it, and so much more. Jonathan is an incredible guest, and we have a lot of ground to cover, so let's get him on out here. Duval Nation, please welcome to the show, calling in today from his home in Seattle, Washington, Jonathan Sposato. Jonathan, hello. Welcome to the Derek Duvall Show. How is the weather out by you today? You know, a little bit mixed. You know, in Seattle, we have beautiful weather in the summertime. And then around this time, September-ish, it starts to transition. So a little bit of sunshine, a little bit of cloudy today, a little bit of a mixed bag. All right. So, Jonathan, with the pandemic now coming to an end, how was it for you to navigate the COVID-19 world? Yeah, it was difficult. You know, on a on a professional side, I would say that probably if if launching a startup is already like a really hard endeavor, launching a startup in a pandemic was even, I would say, five times harder in a sense that it just was slower to get things done. Uh, obviously, if you're launching a media enterprise like Joy Sauce, where you have shows that you're creating, you know, uh, uh, live interviews and and people to talk to, actors, direct, you know, it, it, everything just became that much harder. But I'm proud of the fact that we did it. And and I hope that I can look back or we can all look back at our accomplishments during COVID and say, okay, you know, that was like playing with a medicine ball. Everything else is easy. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so every journey has a beginning. Where were you born and what was it like to grow up there? Yeah, I was born in London and I was born to a single mom and she didn't, we didn't have two dimes to rub together. So we moved to Brooklyn where we lived in a really crappy apartment. This is back when Brooklyn, before it was gentrified, I have to always qualify. It was a lot of old people, single mothers, poor people, working class. 
And so after a few years, she couldn't afford to take care of me. So she sent me to across the world to Hong Kong uh, to live with her parents, my maternal grandparents. And there I spent the next many years till I was about nine or 10 before moving back to the United States. And so uh, I would say that 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 all of that was it was all good. You know, my mom sometimes will talk about that, like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. You know, I feel guilty, but I tell her every chance I get, no, that was an amazing education. Uh, I felt like that coming back to the United States, I had a had a had a very healthy outsider's perspective, right? You kind of question the status quo and you you think about, hey, is there a better way? And why are we doing it this way? And was a little bit of a troublemaker, but uh, but all of those experiences, you know, made me who I am today. And so I don't regret it at all. It was awesome. I spent some time in Hong Kong when I was in the Navy. It's a beautiful place. Yeah, yeah. What did you think of Hong Kong? I loved it, except for the the bay, the bay area. The water wasn't exactly the most cleanest, but other than that, the Hong Kong people were very friendly. The food was delicious, and the city, especially at nighttime, the, the city glowed like jewels. It was beautiful. Yeah, yeah. It is a really special place. I mean, I, I often am envious of people who are sort of American expatriates living abroad, doing business abroad. Uh, I have a good friend, like he, 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 uh, an American guy that was just born and and spent his childhood in Hong Kong because his dad was a banker there. And I mean, it just seems so glamorous and very kind of uh, cosmopolitan. But yeah, they call it Hong Kong because, as you know, in Cantonese, uh, those uh, the two words mean fragrant harbor. So uh, it's the smell of the water that kind of inspired the name of the place. Mm. You know, what age did you decide you were going to get excited about technology? Yeah, I would say I was about 12 or 13. And I... Well, I, I I got my first personal computer. My uncle was a one of the first Silicon Valley pioneers, and he had a printed circuit board assembly plant, made disk drives and you know things like that, motherboards for various computer companies at the dawn of the personal computer revolution. He asked me to work for him during a summer because I was a child. He could not actually pay me. So I said, Uncle Patrick, I want this Apple II computer that's sitting in the corner of your office collecting dust. I know you're more of a PC guy, so I want that. I taught myself how to program on it. I plinked around and I wrote my first computer game because I was inspired by something. The Star Wars movies, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. I was like really into like science fiction and I wanted to kind of replicate some of those amazing experiences via gaming on a computer. And so that's what got me started in technology. Hmm. Favorite memories from your time at Whitman College? Good question. Playing lacrosse and running across Ankeny Field, going to practice, and then my roommate running after me going, Jonathan, your boss is on the phone and you got to upload the next build of your game, you know, via modem. And I go, sorry, coach, I got to run back. So, but that was kind of like an early lesson. And well, if you, if you manage your time well enough, you can multitask, you know, you can be a student athlete, you can be uh, somebody who's also working part-time at a games company, you know, uh, helping to support your, your schooling. So, so I, I, th those would be some of my favorite memories. What led you to found or co-found actually GeekWire and were you amazed at the success it achieved? Thank you for that. Yeah, um, what it was, was uh, I was at dinner with the famous or infamous Mike Arrington of TechCrunch. And uh, Mike can be a fairly bombastic guy. And it was Mike, myself, 
and I think two or three other CEOs and, um, uh, uh, you know, other, uh, yeah, I was the least successful person in the room, say. And he kept giving us all a hard time that the Seattle tech ecosystem was not as robust and vibrant and amazing as the Bay Area ecosystem. And I always thought that that was bullshit. I thought that in terms of deal volume, in terms of the innovation of ideas, in terms of how smart uh, the tech people were up in the Pacific Northwest relative to the Bay Area, I thought we were just as good. And in many ways, most of the most, the, the most important ways, we were better. So I decided right there and then I sort of turned to a local journalist named John Cook, who was writing for an offshoot of the, I think it was like the Puget Sound Business Journal. And I said, John, I want to start a technology news site based in the Seattle area, which would sort of be regionally interesting to anybody kind of in the tech field in the entire Pacific Northwest. And he goes, that's a great idea. And of course he probably thought I was crazy. <laughs> And then uh, I bugged him. I kept bugging him a few months later. And then he called me back and he goes, you know what? If you're serious, let's do it because I'm ready to quit my job. But you're not a reporter. You're not a writer. Let's get another reporter co-founder type. And so then that began a pretty protracted period where I had to convince Todd Bishop to leave his day job. And at the time, his wife was pregnant. They were going to have they were, you know, they were about to, a few months away from having a baby. And I said, I had to have dinner with them and say, I've got this. Don't worry about it. We'll have health insurance. We're not going to go under. We have enough capital to go, you know, uh, several years. Let's just do, do what you're good at. And so that's how we started it. That's amazing. That's a, that's a great story. Thank so you. what inspired you to launch the Joy Sauce Network? Yeah, what, what inspired me was was that, you know, we still live in an age. Um, in fact, tonight, I'm actually going to have a chance to talk with uh, former presidential candidate Andrew Yang. And this is something, yeah, yeah, smart guy, right? And you're, you're kind of wondering, why didn't that guy go farther? You know, there was a time when that guy was consistently polling number three. Uh, in terms of the Democratic, on the Democrat side, right? But yet every single graphic on a major news outlet, you know, ABC, NBC, CBS, uh, CNN, they would, when they talk about the poll results, they would have a graphic that would show Biden, Harris, Klobuchar, or Biden, Harris, Buttigieg, Biden, Harris, uh, Elizabeth Warren, never. And so it, I kind of scratched my head. I'm like, you know, what is going on in the world that Asian Americans are so underrepresented in media? And another statistic was that uh, it's a little bit better now, but for a long time, while Asian Americans represented seven or 8% of the US population, and in some major metropolitan areas like the Bay Area or Seattle, as high as even 20% of the population, we only constitute two and a half percent of all roles in TV or movies, right? And so I thought that that was, there was a gap there. And then also as an entrepreneur, an opportunity, let's create more stuff. Let's, and, and part of the problem is that there's not enough content that's created by and created for American Asians, and I deliberately flipped the term to put the emphasis on the American part, American Asian, because um, I can't relate to wonderful people, but I can't relate to, say, someone living in Taiwan or Seoul. And when I see an imported Korean drama, I mean, it's nice, but, you know, I can't understand it and, and I can't relate to it because I don't live there and I, I don't have a, I didn't grow up like them. So, so I felt that there was an opportunity to create this and to create more representation. That's amazing. 
So the rundown of this network has a TV series of, you know, original programming and podcasts and mm -hmm. an interview with living legend, George Takai. How yeah. much fun was that? Oh my God. So much fun. I mean, that, that man is truly a legend. And I think an American institution. I mean, I I cannot think of a person who is really more, regardless of your politics, really more of a patriot in the sense that he embodies so much of what we love or should love about this country. Here's a guy who is unfailingly optimistic and unfailingly willing to lean in and do the right thing and do a great job for the right causes, despite the fact that in many ways, the country sort of early on failed him and his family, right? The fact that he was interned at such a young age and he saw his father sort of go through, it, it really broke his parents, but yet he didn't let that get him down. And despite other, you know, in addition to being Asian, he was gay or is gay. And so, 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 you know, it was not an option for him to come out, you know, uh, at that time in the world. And so he, he has really succeeded beyond, you know, despite the odds. And he's, at the same time, he remains humble, intelligent, thoughtful, intentional. I will always be very grateful to uh, George for leaning in a little bit and helping us uh, uh, on Joy Sauce. That's amazing. So where did the idea for Joy Sauce Late Night come from? Yeah, so it's an extension of the, the, the basic idea, but I took the thing that was like, what would really get people's attention in terms of like, where do you least expect to see an Asian American or an American Asian, right? So I kind of took a look and go, well, you know, there's some places where you, you know, some rom-coms, you're starting to see some Asian folks and all of that stuff. Late Night show as kind of the last place that you might expect it to be uh, Asian American. And, and I said, what if we created an all Asian American? How fun would that be? And not at the exclusion of others. Like we include our allies and our friends and our family members. But what if we created this thing? How fun would that be to have an Asian American cold open with these young comics and writers um, having fun, doing something funny? Then you have a co-host who's Asian American. You know, you have a DJ or a band leader who's Asian American. You have a main, you know, VIP guest who's Asian American. The host is Asian American. The, the musical number, the band is Asian American, and 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 everybody behind the camera. That was just a really really fun thing to do, and we're going to make a lot more of it. And there's a lot more exciting stuff coming, even more broadly uh, to the world soon. That's amazing. So you have tapped into something very special with the late night show and you've had some very you know very important very great guests on including some amazing musical guests are there any standouts that come to mind right now there are so many i mean and and i and i risk uh, offending somebody that I... <laughs> but you know i loved some of the in-studio performances by hollis swong where um she just goes by hollis now i think i mean she was enigmatic and charismatic and and beautiful and so talented and there's a lot of magic when someone shows up in studio to do a performance and you get the audience going and even get the audience singing along it was electric uh tiger lily was another such uh a performer um uh uh so it, 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 yeah and 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 really many others i could i could really name all of them um in terms of our vip guests you know miranda kwok was amazing she's the hit showrunner on Fox. 
you know, who uh, created, you know, and, and wrote and directed and produced The Cleaning Lady, which I think it's an amazing show. It's like the first, you know, show ever to star a Southeast Asian female, right, which is a very, very underrepresented group. Uh, within uh, the general um, uh, population of Asian Americans. So that she's, she's amazing. Uh, and we'll have others, you know, upcoming, we have American playwright, David Henry Huang, who is the premier American playwright, regardless of his ethnicity. He's just done so many amazing Broadway hits uh, and talking with him about how the industry has changed and his advice for any young actor who's struggling to make it, you know, uh, is, is just really invaluable. So, so the, those are the kinds of things that really sort of get me excited is, is uh, delivering more value out into the world. Yeah. Okay. Duval Nation, we are going to go ahead and take a small break right here, but we will be right back with the conclusion of this interview with Jonathan Sposato. May I suggest you take this time to refresh that drink and take some super long deep breaths. You know, that's right. Cluzo style. Please give your attention to a few friends of my show and we will be right back. Enjoy listening to podcasts and ever wonder, can I make a podcast? But it seems so complicated and good audio production can take time. What if there was a way to create an amazing podcast easily? Well, now there is. Introducing podcasting made easy from Podtastic Audio. My production team will handle your entire audio production, allowing you to be the star of your show. This is podcasting made easy. How easy? Well, so easy, you don't even have to press record. Now that's easy. Your listeners are waiting. Let's deliver. Sign up for a free strategy call today at podcasticaudio.com slash easy. Hello, Duval Nation. Derek Duval here. Mental health is not only a top priority in my life, but it should be in yours too. As a combat military veteran, I have seen what untreated mental health looks like, which is why I've been using a therapist for well over a decade. Seeing a trusted therapist has helped me reconcile life events and other important things I've been witness to since returning home from the service and has changed my life for the better in many ways. Which is why going forward, I am pleased to announce that BetterHelp will be sponsoring The Derek Duvall Show. BetterHelp is the world's first therapy service and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then, you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. You can message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. If your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you can expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you. More scheduling flexibility and at a more affordable price. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Derek Duvall Show. That's BetterHelp.com slash Derek Duvall Show. Hey, it's Michelle Fabre, and you're listening to The Derek Duvall Show. You can hear my brand new single, I'm All That I Need, on all streaming platforms right now. Teachers, 
do you ever have these feelings or have been told these things? Do you want Kleenex for your classroom? Maybe you should think about buying your own with your own money. You get the summer off, you can have a second job. Do you really need a pay raise? Oh, do you need to use the restroom? Maybe you can do that in the three minutes while students are changing classes. Boy, sure hope your room doesn't descend into Lord of the Flies in that time. Oh, things are going pretty good for one. Surprise! Budget cuts. Well, you're in luck because we've got a book just for you. Hi, everyone. It's Katie Kinder, educator, speaker, and author of Untold Teaching Truths. I invite you to purchase my book and join this journey as we talk about the wild world of public education. Part memoir, part strategy. It is available on BookBaby, Amazon, or wherever books are sold. Teach on Warriors. We've got this. This is Benjamin Sledge, author of Where Cowards Go to Die. In my award-winning memoir, you'll discover the raw humanity, intricate complexity, and brutal barbarity of those who served in the Iraq and Afghan wars, and the psychological toll it took on modern veterans. You can purchase Work Hours Go to Die on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or anywhere major books are sold. Look for me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Benjamin C. Sledge. Hi, this is Glenn. And this is Sonia from Echo Valley. And you are listening to The Derek Duval Show. Here's a song called Faces in the Mirror from our album Anarchy and Alchemy. everyone, this is Janae Sergio, life coach, combat veteran, and best-selling author. I invite you to purchase my new book, Perfectly Flawed, a veteran's journey from homeless to hero. In these pages, you will learn about the lowest struggles of my life to the absolute triumphs that have made me the strong woman I am today. Follow along as I talk about homelessness, my naval role in Operation Enduring Freedom, navigating insurmountable odds, and how I dealt with and overcame them. You can find Perfectly Flawed on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or wherever books are sold. Welcome back to episode 193 of the Derek Duvall Show. Let's get right back to it with conclusion of our interview with the co-founder and chairman of GeekWire, the CEO of PickMonkey, and the CEO of the Joy Sauce Network, Jonathan Sposato. Okay, uh, back to it. Uh, what is it like to win the Silver Telly Award? Uh, yeah, it's it was great because... Because, you know, I would say, Derek, that in any endeavor, especially if you're the CEO or the founder of it, it's actually a lonely job and you never get a lot of feedback. Your employees won't tell you you're doing a great job. Um, sometimes your customers will tell you that you're doing a good job. But the best way to actually know for sure is when you start getting some industry acknowledgement. So when you get, we got the Silver Tally Award, it was really nice to finally be like, okay. We're, we're being seen, we're doing something right. And that came, it, and then the pattern was starting to emerge, right? There was a silver telly, which came after an award that we were nominated for by glad.org. 
uh, the, the, you know, the very um, uh, prolific uh, LGBTQ advocacy group. Prior to that, there was like um, a huge acknowledgement from Center for Asian American Media, org and that's the organization behind a lot of really wonderful you know documentaries and TV shows um, with Asian Americans and so and you know similarly with the Asian American Foundation um, Gold House reached out to us so so the fact pattern was looking really good um, uh, uh, within which the silver telly was one another plot point that helped us to feel much more secure about that okay we're on the right path I think that's amazing. What does the future of Joy Sauce Late Night and the Joy Sauce platform overall look like? Yeah, I would say to the extent that I'm at liberty to disclose broad strokes and, and perhaps not the detail is that I believe you will soon see Joy Sauce uh, reach a wider audience and that uh, we're definitely making more and we're also going to always get better and better. You know, so the, I think an analogy from the tech world is we're on version one. And there's going to be version two and version three. And, you know, so every season or every quarter, we're going to get better and better. And um, just like every show that you see, you know, maybe maybe you're a little, just kind of figuring out storming, norming, performing uh, in your first season. And then by the second season, you're really, you know, got it firing on all cylinders. So so you can expect more of that. You can absolutely expect that we are inviting in others to join us and that if you are a content creator out there and we know this is the entire investment thesis really is that not everybody can get a special on Netflix. You know, not everybody can be Ali Wong or Simu Lu. And so if you're a con and I know there's a ton of talent out there, I've seen it with my own eyes. And if you're out there, you want to work with us. We are not greedy jerks. We are very, very accommodating in terms of our deal terms. We'll partner with you and we'll lift you up and we'll amplify you and give you a platform. So uh, you can expect a future to be, in a way, a platformization of the uh, overall ethos of Joy Sauce. When I tell people you're going to be coming on the show, a lot of people actually recognized you for one particular program overall. And they asked me to ask this one question, and that is, how long did it take you to develop PicMonkey? Oh, <laughs> yes. Uh you know, it depends on how far back you count. So, so that's a great question. PicMonkey, as 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 you know, is, was a really popular photo editing, uh, photo storage, photo collaging, um, uh, effects, uh, uh, web service. We were very popular. We what is it? Almost two years now. Uh, it, it, we we sold it to Shutterstock to almost two years ago. But but before that, we 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 operated this company for nearly ten years. So I, I think it. I think the early idea for PicMonkey, it had its DNA in PicNick, uh, P-I-C-N-I-K, which was really sort of version one of PicMonkey. So if you count PicNick uh, and the entire duration of that company was about five or six years, then I would say my answer would be like five or six years uh, to to kind of come up with the idea for PicMonkey. But, but, the, but the idea itself was, you know, I think sometimes... Um, Oftentimes the best ideas don't take a long time for you to quickly agree and have that blink to say like, oh yeah, that's that's gonna do well. Uh, GeekWire was the same. It was literally at that moment around the dinner table listening to Mike Arrington that I said, oh my God, we just gotta do something in Seattle, done, you know? So so um, the, the of course the, uh, the, the hard part is in the execution and to make it really performant and fast, feature rich, 
uh, and something that really people want to use when they already have a perfectly great solution like Adobe. And so I'll never forget that uh, the CTO of Adobe, Tom Malloy, kind of invited me into his office and he was a very nice gentleman, uh, but he also said, I don't get why you're doing this. We already exist. Why are you? <laughs> and, and I said, well, because I think there's a way to do things faster, better, easier, uh, in a more performant and delightful way. And so I think we frankly showed the world how, uh, what that could look like. And so, uh, that was, a, that was a great, uh, I, I enjoyed my, my, my time as the as the uh, CEO of that company. I would have been a fly on the wall for that conversation. That would have been interesting. Yeah, well, it, 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 it's a, it was, trust me, it was a lot more boring than even the way that I represented you. <laughs> Man of Integrity for the University of Washington Mayor's Innovation Equity Award for the City of Seattle, Best Bootstrap Startup Starter of the Year and CEO of the Year by Seattle 2.0. I list these accomplishments and citations. How does that make you feel? Oh, uh, well, I'm grateful to you for listing them. Uh, I think I think sometimes um, our the thing that is our strength is also our flaw. And I think that my flaw is that I tend to never look in the rearview mirror because I think there's a danger to feeling to kind of, yeah, what's the saying? Like uh, smoking on your own, uh, toking on your own tailpipe. And I want to make sure that I'm always... Um, uh, open-minded to what I can learn and how much I don't know and move forward. And the reality is that you do see the other side of it. You see people who sort of let certain accomplishments get to their head and they behave and occur in the world uh, as they interact with others um, a little differently. And I, I don't, uh, I want to make sure that I never do that. And so uh, thank you for bringing that up. But but honestly, I haven't thought about that stuff until uh, for uh, a few years or since they happened. So Fair enough. Yeah, De Coubertin said the most important thing in life is not the triumph, but the struggle. You get a chance to talk to your younger self. What would you say to him? Great question. Don't worry so much. It's going to be fine. I would just say that. It's as simple as that. Because if I had expended more energy having fun and enjoying life, I, I actually think that I would even be uh, more you know, kind of be more uh, doing more of the things that I wanted to do. I think that I, I think I think as I am, you know, squarely in middle age, you realize how little time you have left and to live well and to live wisely, to live intentionally and thoughtfully. And there's really little room to hold on to uh, resentments or bitterness or anger and negative thoughts, move on and uh, be positive. Hmm. So what is next for Jonathan? Well, I will, I need to make sure that Joy Sauce delivers on what we promise. And so what's next is really more intellectual capital and also just capital uh, to put into Joy Sauce to make that right. Um, of course, I'm also publishing Seattle Magazine, and, and I'm very excited about the impact that it's having on Seattle. We're trying to change the conversation. So instead of, you know, kind of whining about Seattle's problems, uh, we are more solution oriented uh, so that people aren't scared to go downtown or scared to you know, are angry about things. And so, so I think there's more of that good work to do. Um, and beyond that, the honest answer is, I don't know, because I, I don't know uh, the R word, what that means, you know, retirement. I don't know what that means. So I don't know if I can do it, Derek. <laughs> As we into the final phase of the interview, I always like to ask one fun question, Jonathan, what do you like to do for fun and to relax or better question, do you relax? 
Oh yeah, I do. Oh, absolutely. I relax. Derek, my favorite thing is my nice 100 inch flat screen TV. And it's new, so I'm still enamored with it. And nothing is better than just kind of kicking my feet up after a long day. And maybe I've, you know, uh, had some nice moments with my family or maybe they're with me and we get to just enjoy some downtime. And so uh, the fun things that I do is I, I love, you know, consuming all kinds of entertainment, pop culture, uh, do fun things like that. Um, and I also like to um, uh, have fun, uh, uh, you know, outdoors, running. You know, these days I, I go on walks with my 14-year-old son. Uh, that's been a recent thing that, that has been nice because we have really meaningful conversation. Uh, last night I played pickleball with a bunch of guys, a bunch of um, guys my age or even a little older. They're kind of all retired CEOs. And I joke that we're like the, <laughs> we're like the group. It's like the lions uh, on the, on the Serengeti, you know, like after a certain age, you, you might've been the lion of the, you know, the main uh, alpha of the pride, but after a certain age, you get, you're, you get old enough, they kick you out and you, all the ba old bachelor lions, you know, uh, uh, hang together and they have to figure out how to survive. And so, so I've got that group. Uh, and, uh, 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 and so, but, but friendship and community is, is very important. So that, that's another thing that I do for fun. What would be the best way for my listeners to follow your ventures online? Yeah, I think the best way is probably to follow me on social media. So on Instagram, I am at Jonathan Sposato. No space, no underscore, just at Jonathan Sposato. J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N-S-P-O-S-A-T-O. -A -A uh, Twitter is the same. Uh, Facebook, the same full name. Uh, I make things pretty simple. So, so uh, in that light, you can kind of see what my various musings are, uh, what my projects look like, uh, what we're planning, what we're thinking about. Yeah. Okay. Jonathan, I end my interviews with my favorite question. Okay. And the question, and the question is this, if the entire planet was listening to this broadcast, what would be the one thing you would like to say to the people of earth? I quote the great philosophers, Bill and Ted, be excellent to one another. I love it. Love it. That's the first thing that came to mind. I love it. I could come up with something deeper and more meaningful. Oh, that's great. I love it. Yeah. Jonathan, you have created things that are going to stand the test of time, and I'm honored to have had you on the show. Congratulations on all your success and all my best to you and the success of your platform. Thank you, and congratulations to you, Derek, on all your successes, and I remain a fan of the Derek Duval Show. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you for having me. And just like that, Duval Nation, we come to the end of episode 193. I want to thank Jonathan for taking the time out of his very busy schedule to come on the show and speak with me. What a delightful man, and I hope we get to collaborate again on a future appearance down the road. I hope once the SAG strike is over, the Joy Sauce Network gets up and running again soon. Okay, tune again next time as we showcase another extraordinary person. I have a really good one coming up in a few days, so be sure to keep checking your favorite podcast streaming channel for that episode to drop. Also, I think it's fair to ask you, the listener, have you enjoyed this episode? I truly hope you have, so please go and hit that subscribe button to keep up to date for when new episodes drop. Also, if you're feeling generous, drop us a review. We love reading what our listeners have to say about us, good or bad. 
We are still enjoying our partnership with the amazing Tee Public. The Derek Duvall Show is a great little store on there. We have everything with our logo on it, including magnets, stickers, and mugs. Plus, we have some really fun t-shirts on there that Mrs. Duvall and I added ourselves. So please go to our website, DerekDuvallShow.com. Go to the banner at the left that says Merch. Click that, and you will be taken to our store on Tee Public. And once again, I want to thank them for being such great partners with the show. So on behalf of myself and the entire team here at the Derek Duvall Show, I want to say to each and every one of you listening, what are you doing to manage your mental health this week? May I suggest kicking back and binge-watching a show from your youth. Nostalgia can be a very powerful thing, and it can be shown to boost good mood. We can all use that, right? So find that Saturday morning cartoon or your favorite TV show and stick it on. See what it does for your mood. Nostar, God bless, and see you next time, Planet Earth. This has been a recording of The Derek Duvall Show, and we thank you for listening. Please go to our website, DerekDuvallShow.com, for links to merchandise and to explore past episodes. Please find us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Derek Duvall Show.